Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Tom Stradian for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. And Fleeple. Last we left the Jank Squad... The council was just about to wrap up just when Lance pointed out a suspicious creature, suspicious feller that he had eyes on the entire time. After a tense conversation with some, really half the audience either starting to draw weapons, starting to cast spells, the Harpers were the ones that de-escalated the situation to where an investigation could occur outside of the council. With the head of the Harpers believing Lance, she decided to join in on the interrogation with Anthar Froom, the suspicious character, and the rest of the Jank Squad. After some clever interrogations, some clever invisibility, and a quick pickpocket from Lance, the identity, or rather the allegiance of this individual was known to be a cultist of the Cult of the Dragon. And with Fleeple entering the room at the very end, the cultist lashed out with a disintegrate spell, which thankfully was countered by Romalia, pinned down, and the disguise of this individual was dismissed to be a old villain, an old antagonist to the Jank Squad, whom they didn't really remember, but Balam from the Caldera, the blue tiefling who accused them and whose life was destroyed uh, from Fleeple and Lance. And that is where we join the Jank Squad now. Fleeple, you see this pinned down, gagged, angry individual Balam. Romalia is on him, Leosin is on him, Anthar Froom is on him, and all of them are pinning him down so where he cannot cast any spells at you as this tiefling stares daggers at you, unable to speak currently and pinned down to the ground. I look down at this individual who I, you know, I kind of mentioned it at the end of the last episode, Fleeple was worried about a ghost coming back to haunt him from his past, and now here that ghost is. And seeing this anger and this zeal, this hatred, uh, almost kind of reminds Fleeple of some of his own feelings that he had in some of his zeal uh, back in the day before he started to mellow out a little bit. But still, it brings up some harsh feelings, and Fleeple's claws kind of clench up into fists. And I'm going to walk towards this tiefling on the ground before me, and I'm going to kind of kneel down to his level, and I'm going to say, Fleeper, you say? I believe I told you to call me the hammer. And I'm going to bring my fist down on his broken wrist. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, go ahead and, um, gosh, just go ahead and roll a uh, athletics check to see how much force can be applied here. That's no, not going to be good. <laughs> That's a two for a one total. That's a modded one. Well, 
his wrist is already broken, so any pressure is going to hurt. And as you smack your fist onto his broken wrist, he cries out in pain through the gag, and you see um, his tears start to well up in his face as he clenches his eyes closed, opens them, and just stares at you. Romalia, she says, Careful, Fleeple, you might want to back up. We don't know what he's capable of, what he has on him. Just be wary. And Fleeple kind of being overcome with emotion and also wanting to have kind of a last word in the situation is going to turn to start striding out of the room. But on the way, I'm going to kind of stop and put my hand against Anthar's room and say, I don't blame you, Anthar. This scum tricked the very king of Waterdeep himself. Anthar is looking incredibly dejected and out of place and is just unsure of himself, really, as you wisely noted that and you pat him on the arm. He goes, uh, I, I, uh, th- that he did. Um, we'll get this uh, sorted out. We'll, we'll get this taken care of. Don't worry. D- don't you worry, uh, people. We'll, uh, we'll, oh, by the gods. And as I start walking out of the room, I would like to roll insight on Anthar's room just to be safe. Good uh, choice, good choice. Insight check. It's a 22. 22. As you you walk out, suspicion abounding because, holy cow, this ghost from the past has just come to haunt you. You glance back to Anthar's room when he feels nobody's looking and his, he has his head cupped in his hands almost his gauntleted hands, and he um, is just taking a deep breath before he looks up, sort of takes a sniff, resolve overcomes his face, and he looks down at who he once thought was his ally, Balaam, and now determination and an intense resolve has come over his face as he goes to assist Romalia and Leosin. So it seems like he's on the level. Seems like he's on. He seems like he is betrayed by this betrayal, uh, even though that's redundant. <laughs> I'm betrayed by your betrayal. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to find kind of a secluded corner and I'm going to pull out a jar of fig preserves and just start scooping it into my mouth. Hey, going, <laughs> getting the digestive tract going. <laughs> there you go. His comfort food. All right. Well, Mal, Lance. Is there anything that you would like to do with Balam, with Romalia, with Leosin, or would you like to let them handle it? Or uh, how involved do you want to be in this interaction here? Mal will approach Lance and just whisper, do we need to do anything? You, f- you found the spy, so should we just let them handle it? Or did you want to interrogate him anymore? You're, you're more in that you know spy world than, than I am, so... What do you think we should do? Well, I am concerned because he's part of our past, but at the same time, we've got pressing matters to attend to, and I don't think we'd be able to get anything more out of him that these individuals probably has a a lot more experience in that regard. And I assume he'll probably be jailed, right? So we could just come talk to him afterwards, right? There's going to be torture. He's not not going anywhere. He's not not going anywhere. He's he's locked, trapped in there. I will say, though, um, I didn't really appreciate what he tried to do to our friend there. So, Malamara, I think Balam here owes us something. And Lance will gesture 
to his hand and kind of kind of nod to Malamara's sword. Basically like, he tried to take our friend. It's time to take his hand. The hand that cast the spell. Wow! Wow. <laughs> wow! Yeah. He almost killed Fleeple. Like, that's not a small thing. If like if it was just us in the room, Fleeple would be dead. So Lance definitely wants retribution for that attempt. Mal. <laughs> Gotta think about the morality of this for a second. <laughs> Oh, Mal's thinking Mal about Mara the morality. You murdered people in the streets of Neverwinter. Pardon, pardon. <laughs> let me rephrase. Yeah. Me as a player must think about the, <laughs> the morality of <laughs> how Mal would be feeling. I just love this conversation. Like, we don't really need to do anything. Like, he's going to be jailed. He's going to be tortured. But, uh, but we should probably chop his hand off. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I mean, Lance hates it when people come after the people he loves, so he's willing to go to very extreme lengths to make sure it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I would I would definitely classify this as extreme for sure. <laughs> Mal looks to Lance and sees the resolve in his face, and knowing the conversations that they have, solemnly she just unsheathes her sword and hands it to Lance, which is the first time that sword has been out of her possession since Air 2 put it into her hands. I run. No, I'm sure. Strap <laughs> 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 it over your ear. Wow. The dog. Oh, wow. I'm back. I got it. <laughs> and as uh, Lance, as you are handed the sword, it feels very cold, like unnaturally cold, more cold than uh, a weapon should. And there's a part of you that it's repulsive almost to hold the sword. Uh, if, if you think about it and if you look at it, you feel feel this energy coming off the sword. This similar energy that you have felt as you have tiny and limitedly looked at the Demonomicon, as you've read through it, as you've pierced just the surface of it. You get that feeling coming from the sword, but it's unhindered. It is not locked. It is flowing through the sword and you just you're taken aback by it and you look to Mal who is how she always is and you realize that Mal must be experiencing these feelings and emotions from the sword constantly and Mal just gives him a solemn nod to him Lance will just indicate to the rest please place his hand on the table Leosin and Romalia look to you quickly and so does Balam with an alarmed expression and then Romalia and Leosin looking at you first with a confused expression, but Leosin getting a little bit panicky, silent panicky, and Romalia, her face going still. Lance Thalen, violence will only beget more violence, and I understand where your emotions come from. Believe me, my husband was murdered by the cult of the dragon. I do not take the situation lightly, but I do not believe we should act so rashly with our emotions. I appreciate your experience. I found him out. I am owed a debt, and he came after one of my own. And I'm going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Please, place his hand on the table. At this, Leosin goes 
Yes, but but wouldn't you rather have that debt repaid another way, on, uh, with uh, with uh, 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 some other way? And before he could even finish, Antharfrum picks up Balam with his two gauntleted hands, with a strength you haven't seen from him yet. He jerks him off the ground and very quickly, fast-paced, walks over to the table in the room and, still holding him with the two hands, throws him onto the table with his face, smacks into it, and (laughs) you hear him grunt, and Anthar almost gets on top of him and pins his knee into his back as he's extending his arm out on the table, as Anthar's face is just not fuming, but there is a righteous anger in his face right now. Lance will nod at Anthar, very appreciative, just like that he understands and he kind of is that there's almost like a, a bond of betra- of the betrayal and all this thing like that there is like a commonality in what they see as justice and he'll just approach with this massive great sword and Lance is not a massive person so it's a little bit awkward <laughs> but as he does that Lance will just as like Balam is just on the table he'll kind of like lower his head to Balam's like side to his ear and he'll just say you came after us once and I took your throat. You come at us again, I take your hand a third time, and you won't have a life. And he'll raise the sword and fell it. And with this blade being supernatural, magical, as you raise the blade yourself, and Mal, you can feel it, although you don't have it as well. You feel this, this pleasure that almost comes from the blade itself as this act is committed. And the blade is so sharp and strong and powerful, it goes right through the table into the stonework on the ground. And Lance, you feel something stirring inside you, but before it can go any further, you quickly go back and you thrust the sword back to Mal to take it from you. This is all accompanied by Leosin and Romalia running over to Balaam healing, wrapping bandages, uh, hiding from view what has been done, and quickly ushering Balaam away out of the room before anything else can be claimed or done from the Jenk squad here, or even Antharfrum himself, as the Harpers realize this is an agent of the Cult of the Dragon, but (laughs) left with the Jenk squad, they might not have this resource for much longer. I mean, old Hammurabi over here taking what he pleases. (laughs) Lance will look over to Malamar and just be like, I mean, to be fair, you just outright killed a prisoner. I just took his hand. Like, I feel like, I feel like the reaction to you and the reaction to me was, I feel it's unbalanced here. Mal just looks back at him without a response and then walks out. A solemn solemnity from Mal overcoming the room. And as you walk out, Fleeple, you see Balam being escorted out with a bandage on his hand and Leosin gingerly and awkwardly carrying something in his arms. With your passive perception, you can see it's Balam's hand. You can see all passively without looking, without even having to look. During this time, I've started using my ring of telekinesis to scoop the fig preserves into my mouth for me. 
I, I stop with one of the globs of jam, like, between my big old chompers, and I see the hand that Leosin is carrying, and I just put it back in the jar and screw the hood back on. <laughs> like, okay, we're done for today. <laughs> I'm going to have such a bad sugar crash later. So, with that, we will call the first Council of Waterdeep officially over with the interrogation after the council finished as well and with that we will get the jank squad ready for their journey up north to the dracorn so there are some preparations to be had here um certain things that we want to make sure get done certain things that the council wants to make sure they give to you uh, what in particular does the Jank Squad need? What do they need to get done in Waterdeep? Uh, then, then we'll get to what the Council wishes to give to you, including information, including uh, necessary supplies, things like that. Does the Council wish to give me a potion of longevity? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but <laughs> as you go back to the illusory illusion... Oh, yes, Flipper. I, I understand that you've been uh, 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 watching a potion of longevity mainly because of your repeated askings and um, constant missives that you've been sending to me um, every other day at the very uh, least. So um, I have some news regarding that. <coughs> well, I may be able to procure one. I don't have one yet, but I may be able to procure one if in in a month's time. You see, I have been able to track down a lord and lady far from uh, Waterdeep, and I've I've, I've gone outside of my normal circle here for you, and um, I've been able to uh, uncover uh, one that uh, was secretly told to me again. Nobles don't like to admit that they use potions of longevity. Um, they're not as open as you are about their desire um, for it. And, um, well, uh, in a month's time, I believe I can uh, have it come here. Uh, it's just the cost would be, uh, uh, if, if the cost and the price were right, I will be paying uh, some of my funds to ensure that the uh, delivery is safe. Um, it will be close to, uh, I think we were able to negotiate 9,000 gold pieces for the potion itself. It's a big number. It's a big number. Yes, yes, but eternal youth, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, who knows? I'm going to go kill some dragons, so maybe I'll be able to get some gems from the oh, horde. Excellent. And you know you know what? We, we may be able to work out a deal where if you come up with any magical artifacts, and we might be able to trade as well um, for maybe a little bit more for, than the face value here. Uh, things that I might find valuable, I could I would then be willing to spend more of my own coin for the potion of longevity for that exchange we have. So, you know, nothing's off the table here. Yes, <laughs> as long as it's worth yes. my time and your time, if you yes. get what I'm saying. I have a friend who's very skilled at removing teeth and scales and whatnot from dragons, so I think maybe we can get oh. you some resources. Oh, dear me, now that would be quite valuable indeed. Ah, yes, yes, claws, scales. Uh, scales not so much, I mean. Scales are kind of like a dime of dozen since they uh, get... Uh, but with the teeth and the claws and 
it may sound a little grotesque, but even the eyes of a dragon, if you if you can get one intact with it, not fully punctured, that might be very useful. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'll, I'll have my people stay in touch with your people. Yes, and uh, your people being yourself, and my people being me. Exactly. Yes, that's a great idea. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. We're on the same page there. <laughs> yes, do you, can I get your sending stone number real quick? Oh, my God. Oh, yes, well, I'm afraid. Um... Uh, I, I, I don't really like to give that out to just anybody, so I'm going to hold that one go close no to worries, the chest. No worries, that's all <laughs> yes. right. Yes, of, uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I, I'm going to go into the back now, and he awkwardly uh, goes over to a customer and not wanting to give you his personal <laughs> cell <Sending> number. Stone <laughs> number. <laughs> I usually only communicate over Discord. <laughs> and I reach into my bag and... I whisper into the worm box, we're so close. And then the I just put it box. back in my bag and go to meet back up with my friends. Sleep with the an arcana check. Ooh, with advantage because of my awesome tattoo. That's You're a, never using that tattoo, are you? Nope, that's a natural 20. <laughs> natural 20? Yes. For a total Ooh. of 24. This worm box smells really bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> but you could swear you feel something magical from it. I'm going to use a Ritual of Mistletoe to cast Detect Magic on this box. Okay. It, it's strange. It's like you do feel something magical from this box, but you've been around with this box for a while. Like, you, why haven't you felt it before? It's just... I mean, sure, it's a loose box inside your bag, and it might have been jostled around a little bit here and there as you keep pulling it out, but you feel something magical from this box. And as you turn it over on the underneath, you uh, um, see just the box itself, that there's like this metal plate with like an ornamentation on it covering a part of the bottom of the box, and you feel magic coming from that because this metal plate has slightly been jostled out of alignment. And as you look through there, you see an item underneath the metal plate. I'm going to pry my claws into that little crack and just dig my way in there. All right. With enough time, you don't want to smash this box, right? Do you want to preserve this box? Yeah, the the box is precious to me. Uh, I just want to find what is precious inside the box. You think this is gonna get rid of the box, Thomas? It's not. The box is keeping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can bring up all the shenanigans you want, but Wormbox is getting buried with Fleeple. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Sounds good. As you pry this metal plate off, with being as delicate as you can with your claws, there is a very small gemstone that you sense magic coming off of it. And as you pick it up, you understand that this is magical. In fact, it has a feeling of abjuration coming off of this gemstone. For a second, I think to myself, could this stone be what's preventing this worm from coming back to life and fulfilling (laughs) its true purpose? (laughs) And I remove the stone from the box. Yes. And... If you spend some time with it, you will find out that it is an Ayun stone. Mm-hmm. An Ayun stone of protection. Hey, I like that. 
which that will give you a plus one bonus to AC while this dusty rose prism orbits your head. That is pretty nice. Pretty nice. So it requires attunement. So yeah, does that mean I... <sighs> Ring of Telekinesis is so nice. Yeah, and I know attunement slots we are running low on, at least for Fleeple here. So. Yeah. I'm out of them, but I think Lance has one. I am I'm not attuned to anything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's just put on and go. <laughs> you know what? Actually, Lance uh, gets into the melee a lot more often than Fleeple does. And Thalen, the worm giveth. It has taken nothing away from us. It has given us this wonderful... <laughs> this, yes, that's from the Book of Scripture of Bahamut. Well, I'm just, I'm just imagining you like, left, it, left it on a table with a note. I'm just like, what the crap uh-huh. is he talking about? <laughs> Bahamut giveth and he taketh not away. The great worm, but different worm, has given us this. And I hold out the Stone of Protection to Lance. There you go. Uh, um... Uh, th- thank you, Fleeple. Where did it come from? Uh, the worm box. Okay, where, 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 where did it really come from, <laughs> Where did it really come from? <laughs> and I, I turn aside and scowl, and I say, I knew they wouldn't believe me. I bought it from the illusory illusion. <laughs> that, makes, that makes perfect sense. Perfect sense. Um, okay. I knew they wouldn't believe me. I knew they wouldn't believe me. A stone of protection. <laughs> Yes, an, yeah, Iun an Iun stone. stone of protection. Oh, an Iun stone of protection. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, sorry, sorry. that'll give you a plus one to your AC while you are attuned to it. And it orbits around your head while it does it. Yeah, that's the only downside. Visually, you have a Iun stone orbiting around your head. Mal technically also has a Iun stone orbiting her head always as well. So, I mean, I've yeah, already got this battle. sick. I've already got this sick giant tattoo, so I don't need any more head ornamentation. <laughs> There you go. I got this giant tattoo, man. <laughs> oh, man. I, it just occurred to me, it's sort of the cultural dissonance of a draconic kobold with a giant rune tattooed on his forehead. <laughs> yeah, and it's large. I mean, it, it covers the forehead. It's almost like extended past the forehead, like uh, vertically of Fleeple here. So, yeah, all of you have, have things on your head, orbiting around your head. Just normal adventurer stuff. Yep. Oh, Oh, man. I just realized I do have one thing attuned to me. My bracers of flying daggers. So that's my second thing. Then I thank the worm box for its gift, and I'm good to go. Hey, maybe it'll keep dishing things out. (laughs) Yeah. Now, Mal, I believe you wanted to get some stuff from somewhere, the illusory illusion or or what have you, right? I just needed a little bit of incense because I've used it a couple of times. And then I think as a party, we need some healing potions. Yes, I was going to go get healing potions if no one else was. Great. So going to the illusory illusion. Yeah, you can uh, petition to get some healing potions. What kind and how many? Okay, party fund, let you know, is 7,900 gold. That's more than I realized. That's our party fund. And we, when we do have a, we already have a potion of superior healing in the bag of holding. Between the party fund and my personal fund, I could buy a potion of longevity. We actually, I have two <laughs> potion, I have two potions written in my bag here. I have a potion of superior healing and one greater healing potion. Oh, okay. hey. the same thing? No, a superior healing is 8d4. 
greater is 4d4 and a regular is 2d4. So maybe we get yes. one regular for everybody? Yeah. All right. And they, they have quite a bit of regular. Uh, you bought them out last time, so they were like, all right, let's stock back up again. And so they've got actually five regular healing potions for $50 a pop. 50 oh, gold pieces do a pop. It. It's 250 right there. And uh, he goes, <laughs> he goes, damn me, well, I have to keep uh, pumping these out, so to speak. <laughs> you, uh, you would keep buying out my stocks, <laughs> my favorite customers, of course. <laughs> uh, but how about some of these are uh, greater or superior? I do have one superior, which I've had for quite some time. It's a little bit pricier, I will admit, but um, very hard to come by. How pricey um, is pricey? How, yeah, how much is is a superior? Uh, the superior healing potion, it does take some time, and I have had it for quite a while, so I'd be willing to part with it for 1,500 gold pieces. Yes. All right, if we did that, all of the uh, our party fund with that and the five regulars, we'd still be at 6,150. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why not? Because it was 250 for the regulars and then 150, or, you know, 1,500. Why not? Let's do it. We got five small healing potions. Yes, and I'm going to say everyone write down one regular healing in your inventory, and I'll keep two in the bag of holding. And then I'll just put, I already have one superior healing in my bag. Well, should Ned and I both have two small on us, and then because you have the bag of holding, you keep the superiors and then one of the smalls? Or the greater superior, you know, whatever. You, you keep the heavy-duty ones in the bag. You get one, and then Fleeple and I will have two in our Sounds great. stashes yeah. in case we need it. So yeah, Fleeple and Mal get two. I'll keep one on my person, and then I will take the other superior into the bag. All right. Sounds good. And how much incense do you need, Mal? I was just going to get two sticks, so 20 gold pieces worth. Yes, yes. I've been able to condense um, your your needs into just one thing of incense instead of needing to, like, burn 50 sticks, uh, smaller sticks. So this one's just very potent. Just be aware. Probably don't want anybody else in the room when you're burning this, all right? Oh, uh, thank you. That was very helpful. Good sir, who's no longer an illusion. Yes, no, we're quite real, and it's very good to meet you. Good to see you in person, of course. Um, hope to uh, have you come back again. Uh, if, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, here are your two massively um, important incense sticks here. And uh, they are. The, the sticks are only like three inches long, but they are thick. <laughs> they um, are thick. It's like a roll of quarters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just put it into your hand when you're ready to punch somebody and you'll have a silver beard. <laughs> yeah, so... Sounds good. Anything else you'd like to buy? Any other weird potions other than a potion of longevity? Anything else you'd like to see in stock before we jump to the Council of Waterdeep to see uh, what they have in mind and what they are going to help you with on your journey? I mean, now you intrigue me. <laughs> <laughs> when you say, well, I mean, Thomas? there's up I mean, that's up to you. What do we got? <laughs> It's up to you guys. Do you want to keep? Are you like, nope, we're good. Let's keep on going. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, sounds good. Well, um, as you meet up at the um, pre-designated area, if you recall, there was a noble, uh, Dala Silmerhelve, who spoke up briefly at the council regarding news about the Dracorn 
and um, the Alliance of Mages, they also had information regarding one of their people who went north. So uh, as you meet up with Dala, she's a, again, very diminutive woman, uh, very, um, very put together, but very soft spoken. And as you go to her manor, it is very impressive. It is a very well put together manner. Uh, it is in a very wealthy portion of Waterdeep. As she walk in, she goes, "Oh, hello, um, uh, the Jinx Squad. Yes, Lance Thalen, Fleebel, and uh, Malamara. Um, yes, please, please come in, come in, come in." Uh, and she, of course, uh, didn't open the door for you, but was greeted, uh, was there to greet you as um, the two butlers that open the wide double doors um, usher you in, and as you come in. Uh, they offer to take your cloaks. They offer to take your animal skins that are uh, across your shoulders, Malamara. Uh, and Fleeple, they see that you don't have anything to take, so they just um, give you a, a hot towel um, to uh, pat your your scales and your face uh, to just freshen up, so to speak. And uh, as she ushers you into this large room with a table, there are plates of food um put out there are little tiny sandwiches um, with cucumbers sticking out there are um, these towers of sweets and goodies there is a bowl that seems to be steaming with some sort of a concoction in there and fleeple you go over it's fondue uh, it's cheese and a little bit of dipping uh, dipping things for that you can uh, dip and she goes oh yes please uh, feel free to um uh, to uh, dig in there. I, I'm so sorry for the mess and uh, uh, I apologize for the state of my manners, but we needed to have you as quick, come as quickly as possible um, to um, uh, give you everything you need on the Dracon. And you didn't see initially, but there are a couple members from the Alliance of Mages that were from the Council of Waterdeep. Uh, they are also here in the room. Some of them have plates were and uh, they drift over to you as they are tidying up and getting ready for this conversation. And Dala goes, yes, uh, well, I just wish to impart some of my uh, uh, knowledge um, to you regarding uh, the Dracorn. I hope I'm not too forward in getting right down to business, if that's all right with everybody. Works for me. Mm-hmm. Mal nods. Uh, uh, yes, okay. Um, all right, Um. well... As I might have stated earlier, I kind of blacked out in the council, so I wish to um, just maybe sort of recap here uh, in case I've left anything out. Um, the Dracorn um, is a very powerful artifact which calls um, all of the chromatic dragons to, um, to uh, not necessarily a cause, but to a location. Um, and if you are not a dragon, you are unaware of that location. Um, and... Um, but it hasn't been used for quite some time, and uh, if it's being used now, it is uh, not a good thing, especially to coincide with the cult of the, um, the cult of the dragon. As I stated previously, I might have uh, mentioned to you that uh, the dracorn uh, was last known to be um, north, uh, near, near the spine of the world. In fact, a little bit further uh, on the Sea of Moving Ice, and Malamara you know the sea of moving ice you have seen it from a distance but you've never traversed it yourself because of how dangerous it is it is exactly as it sounds though 
uh, as she goes on to describe and as Mal could describe as well, um, it's a bunch of icebergs and a bunch of floating pieces of ice that are constantly smashing into each other and are um, just, they create this landscape, but everything's always moving, constantly flowing, uh, and it's frigid, it's cold, even colder than the spine of the north. It is almost absolute north of the planet itself. So, uh, the Sea of Moving Ice was the last known location of the Tricorn, and, um, however, no one can pinpoint its present location from the sound, or even verify with certainty that the relic is still in the Northern Sea, but I, I do believe the search must start there. Um, uh, now, this this is where the Alliance of Mages, they might be able to um, assist us with a little bit more of knowledge, but the, the one person who could tell us more is a tiefling sorcerer named uh, Makath the Crimson, uh, is her name. No one alive knows more about the Dracorn than her, uh, uh, but uh, as I stated, the Arcane Brotherhood, of which she happens to also be a member of, um, I believe, as I was discussing with them and speaking with them, uh, you haven't seen or heard from her in three years, you say? And uh, at that, the main woman who seems to be leading this company from the Alliance of Mages. Yes, uh, we have not seen her or heard from her in the past three years. She went to the Sea of moving ice uh, and she was letting us know about her progress with a sending spell uh, and she was constantly checking in but it was three years ago when she stopped checking in and when we tried to scry upon her we could not see her location unfortunately just to step in here and give a little bit more of where we're coming from uh, Macoth she reported as I mentioned she reported her progress, but her last report in particular spoke of seeing ice hunters paddling their sealskin boats towards a huge iceberg, flattened like a plateau across its surface, but ringed by icy peaks. She was very excited when she was describing this location to us. Now, uh, she had intended to follow the ice hunters and investigate the iceberg, but after that, no more reports came, unfortunately. Now, as was mentioned earlier, attempts to find Macath using scrying or other magical means located only her ship adrift, which was heavily damaged. And some of the ship's crew were seen, deceased, but no sign of her was ever found, unfortunately. Now, we do know that this location and why Macath was so excited to hear about it and why she was drawn to it in the first place. Well, you have to understand a little bit of the history of the Alliance of the Mages. Some decades back, during the reign of the dragons, the terror of the dragons that uh, swept across the landscape of Faerun, our tower, called Host Tower, it was attacked by dragons uh, very severely, and uh, although we were able to um, defend and rebuild since then, there were a number of dragons which stole a good number of treasures from our tower itself. One of those dragons goes by the name Orithator, and he's a white dragon who had a particular and keen interest in some of the more magical items that were in our tower. Something that's been a little bit um, embarrassing 
for the Alliance of the Mages is uh, he took uh, some quite powerful spell scrolls uh, from us. Um, spell scrolls that took quite some time to craft, uh, some other artifacts that we believe um, were of interest to him. But out of dragons, he is... Uh, some are only interested in treasure, but some are interested in magic itself as well. And Arathator, it definitely appears to be one of those dragons, or else he wouldn't have been so keenly interested in our, the attack of Host Tower. Now, Macath, the Crimson, she knew that this iceberg, after talking with the ice hunters and other reports, this iceberg is one of the lairs of Arathator, the dragon himself. So she made the deduction that if she were to find out any more about the Dracorn, she might have to go speak to a dragon himself, and one who was so keenly interested in a magical item uh, or a magic itself, perhaps Arathator might be a good, a good prospect. Now, as was stated earlier, we don't know if she's still alive. We don't know if she accomplished her goal. All we know is that she was the expert on the Dracorn, and that is where she headed to find out more information, not only about the Dracorn, but about dragons in general. Um, and Dalla, at this point, she pipes in with a very diminutive voice. She goes, ah, yes, uh, which is why I um, invited the Alliance of Mages to come to share this information, for although I only had the beginning piece, they seem to be able to finish the puzzle. Are, are, are any of you going to take part in the uh, refreshments that we have on the table? Uh, Fleeple has definitely been doing that this entire time. Oh, oh yes, oh, good. <laughs> Wait, what uh, refreshments? I, I, They're all gone. And when she sees that you actually are partaking, she takes a very visible sigh of relief, and she, like a small smile comes across her face, like, oh, oh good, oh, good, uh, yes, great, um, <clears throat> uh, excellent. Um, well, uh, I, I wish to outfit uh, the three of you uh, for taking on this uh, adventure, this Lake of the Journey, and at that she uh, claps her hands and some more butlers, new servants come in with bundles, and these bundles are very thick furs and very uh, nice clothing to protect against the elements, and Mal, you're like, ah, my stuff is good enough, I should be oh okay you actually open the pack and you're like oh oh gosh this is actually this is really good stuff um <laughs> she is giving you the best of the best that she could find down here in the water deep when it comes to protecting against the cold nothing magical but very fine quality in that as well she has given each of you a set of pythons with in climbing gear uh, she goes, because you never know. Uh, and also, just to be uh, sure, for Malamara and Lance Thalen, she has given you the claw shoes that you wear when you go, like, ice climbing. Crampons. Crampons. There we go. She's given you a set of crampons each. Uh, she turns to a fleeple apologetically, and she goes, Hi, uh, your claws and your feet, I, I figured you wouldn't need uh, this particular item here, uh, so I apologize. And my wings. Ah, yes, and your wings. I totally forgot about that. I didn't even think Yes, it's, of it's a, a recurring yes. thing, it seems. Ah, ah, 
Yes, uh, good. Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, if you excuse, uh, she whispers to one of her servants, and she goes, uh, st- "Could you bring out uh, some of the finer cheeses, please, to melt down? Thank you very much." And they rush off to the kitchen to see that you are uh, heavily invested in this fondue pot here, and um, hoping to continue to please as the host. The head of the Alliance of Mages pipes up and goes, Yes, of course. Uh, as, as you can see, all of you are very well uh, decked out. Um, the Alliance of Mages are particularly interested in this uh, mission, of course, because we wish to know the whereabouts of Macarth the Crimson or possibly the final resting place of Macarth, if possible and if not alive. Um, however... If you were to follow into her footsteps, we wish to uh, impress upon you how grateful the Alliance of Mages might be if you were to bring back uh, some of these stolen relics that um, these dragons took from our host tower. And she gets very deliberate in how she speaks at this point. Um, She goes, the Alliance of Mages might be... um, but might be more inclined to oh, assist uh, the Jank squad in their future endeavors uh, if there were a number of items that were brought back, or, or at the very least, uh, be able to. We would be able to release more of our resources to the cause for the Alliance of Waterdeep uh, to assist in fighting the evil of the Cult of the Dragon. Uh, if a keen eye were kept, when in the iceberg. And she looks at the three of you, and all three of you pick up that she's asking for you to bring back what she feels is the Alliance of Mages' property rightfully. (laughs) Any particular items that she wants us to look out for, or just anything we can find? Uh, Just anything that you can find in particular that would be uh, of interest to an Alliance of Mages and magic users. So if this dragon is really... um, a purveyor of magical arts, um, there might be additional items that maybe were not owned by the Alliance of Mages, but which could benefit us in some further research or um, in cementing our relationship as she gestures to the Jinx squad with the with herself uh, to where we might be able to assist one another. Yes, I can certainly keep my eyes out for that. Excellent. Yes, uh, I, I believe so. And... Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I I just ask that you do what you can. Uh, obviously, Macarth is the number one priority, and uh, we would like any news on her whereabouts. But if you're able, and if there the opportunity arises, we would be very grateful for uh, any assistance that can be given uh, to assist us. But yes, I, I believe if there do, do you have if there are no other questions from you, and rather I apologize, we haven't even asked if you have any questions for us. <laughs> How silly of me! And she opens the floor to you uh, to, to ask for any clarifying questions at this time. Um, I just have one quick question: Are we uh, provided with transportation, or are we footing it ourselves? No, that would be me. Uh, uh, yes, you you will be going on the Frost Skimmer, uh, a, um, a boat which is uh, very adept at maneuvering the icebergs and the sea of the moving ice up there. Uh, so, yes, and it has a full crew, full complement of 40 crew members uh, that will be assisting you. It's paid for. Um, it's not the most luxurious, I will say, but 
when it comes to um, accomplishing your goal, there is no finer vessel. So uh, we're sailing this. directly to there, or do we have to meet the the skip somewhere? Oh no, it, directly from Waterdeep here. Uh, it will take you. Not too terribly long, just a few days, uh, maybe a week at most, depending on the, the wind and uh, the, and how uh, treacherous the waters are going up there. Good to know. And then we just find this big old iceberg, huh? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, the captain, uh, Le Rooster Half-Face, um, he will uh, be, uh, he's very familiar, although he's never encountered this iceberg, uh, he will be uh, able to um, help you navigate the waters and keep an eye out for anything unusual and maybe uh, have a good idea of where to uh, suss this, uh, this iceberg out. <laughs> uh, yes. I'll be interested to see what his half-face looks like. Uh, yes, I've never seen him myself, but um, uh, you'll have to uh, tell me if uh, it's just a, a fun little name or if he really only has half a face. <laughs> that would be terrifying. As she looks down at the ground uh, with a troubled face, she's like, oh, that would be pretty, pretty grotesque. A- anyway, any other questions for Dala or the Alliance of Mages? Not for me. Excellent. Malamara, anything from you? No, I don't think so. My, mine was about transportation, but Jake already asked, so. There you go. And the Fleeple, any last-minute things other than scarfing some more uh, the fine fondue? No, I think that about does it for me. Excellent. So as we all depart here, pleasantries given, uh, Dala giving you a small bag of uh, the items, and she goes, I really won't be able to eat these. Um, they're, they're just going to get thrown out anyway, so I figured um, might as well uh, pass them along to those who enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh, Philippe, you get the majority of it because you're the only one that was eating. Um, <laughs> and as you go straight to the docks at that point, uh, you are come across the Frost Skimmer. The Frost Skimmer is a, a 60 foot long light long ship with a single sail, but lots of oars to nav- help navigate the ice. There are 40 crew members, as I mentioned previously, and they are all uh, getting ready for departure. And you come across the Rusta Half Face, a human male. And as you walk up to the captain, he's barking out orders. Get those oars out. We won't need them until we get up north. So get them below. Yes. Yes, put them away. Come on, you. You. I know you're new, but you have to pick up the slack. Ah, are you who we are transporting? And as he turns around, his face is mostly covered by cloth, uh, but he pulls it down for you. And he has a full face technically, but (laughs) half of his face has severe, severe frostbite. So it is a shocking, and uh, although you were warned about him only having half a face, possibly, it is still a shock to to see him. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes, oh, yes. Well, anybody that I'm transporting, I like to get the mystery out of it. Yes, I only have, uh, I've got frostbite over here, all right? So take it in. I'll have my cloth up most of the time, and uh, just, just deal with it, all right? Well, if you ask me, half face is maybe a little bit diminutive. I'd say you've got two faces almost. Ah, ah, clever guy. I can tell we're going to really like you on board here. And I flip a coin that has heads on both sides and walk onto the <laughs> boat. He's full right, of Harvey riddles. Dent. <laughs> Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, as Lance, you, uh, you come on and Larusta stops you, Malamar, and goes, ah, I recognize somebody from the north. Yeah, 
It's good to see another northerner up uh, on the boat. Uh, we could use some of your assistance navigating the waters, navigating some of the sea up there. Uh, would you be willing to help out in, in that way, uh, that capacity? Or what's your specialty, I should say? Mal looks down at him. Oh. Ooh. And <laughs> she looms her full height with all of her now bare skins and all of the things that we have. And she just says, I'm so sorry. I, I'm just, I'm more from the nomads. I, I don't really know the sea. I, I can help as much as you want me to. I mean, navigation, I'm a nomad. I can do that. But uh, it's, it, the sea isn't really my expertise. She like stumbles on the, ga- the gangplank and almost falls over. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as you stumble, you realize that this ship, just being on it, you would have imagined it to be like a little bit heavier or at least more deep in the ocean itself. But it actually feels like, I mean... I did describe it as a light longship, but it does feel lighter than you would have normally thought it would be for um, a vessel going out on the open sea. And uh, Larusta goes, "Ah, don't worry about that. We've got plenty of people to navigate the sea, but it looks like you've got some, uh, you got some good weapons on you. So uh, that might come in handy if we come across any uh, giant octopi or um, any any other unsavory creatures that we'll see up there. Hopefully, we don't run into any ice trolls." <laughs> Is is that is that a possibility? Oh yes, no, we see it all the time. Great. Yeah, no, uh, uh, we lost uh, half of our crew one of the, on one of the expeditions uh, because we got attacked by uh, four giant octopi before we could uh, get onto a piece of land and uh, carry the boat up there. So, uh, and he slaps you on the arm and goes, "Good to have you on board." Because we, you never know when you're gonna need some good muscle. So, uh, all right, well, gotta get to it. And as he uh, leaves you standing there, a little slack-jawed of like, oh my gosh, we could run to a giant octopus. Um, He barks some final orders, and he yells for the uh, boat to be cast off. Now, there's no bottom portion of the ship that you can go down and like have quarters so most of this journey in fact all this journey the three of you are going to be on top of the ship actually and uh as you ask some of the people one person's like oh yeah no we all sleep on the deck just because no there's no there's no spots downstairs so uh yeah we just like wrap this uh nice little uh uh, canopy around us to kind of protect from the cold and the elements but uh, but we're real lucky if we can get onto an iceberg that we can have a fire and things like that but you get used to it don't worry about it one week pff, you'll be pros as uh, one of you gets uh, your first uh, bout of seasickness as you cast off and Waterdeep diminishes further and further behind would I be able to talk to Malamara for a second he will just approach her after hearing that kind of awkward conversation between her and the captain. Lance will just kind of approach Malamar and be like, So I heard you talking to the captain. Um, are we, so are we, I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here. Is this anywhere near your, where you grew up? Not specifically. I mean, the spine of the world is pretty long and the and the sea of moving ice is on obviously the sea i was much more in the mountain area but everybody who hunted always took turns to go down and fish i've never been down there but i mean how much different can the sea be from 
the forest, really, as the boat rocks and she grabs onto the railing. Uh, quite different, apparently. Um, um, <laughs> Mel feels okay. very uncomfortable being <laughs> on the ship. Okay, I just wanted to. I just wanted to check. I am. Um, I just wanted to really check on you. How are you doing? Um, it's been. It's been a while since we. You obviously had a big experience in uh, Waterdeep with the the dragons and the those uh, the riders. I just wanted to check on you and knowing that we're kind of going towards your homeland, but not exactly now. I just I just wanted to see how you're doing. It's been a long time since I've been up this north, so I'm actually looking forward to it. Um, I, you know, the Sea of Moving Ice isn't quite home, but it will still feel like home. So, I am excited, but um, I I wanted to check in with you. Um, what you did with Balam's hand was pretty heavy, especially for you. Yes, I've been told. Yes, I yes, I I'm kind of you know looking back 2020 vision. Um I'm aware that that was a little intense. Um It's like I talked to you about on the steps of the of the castle. I hate not seeing things that could harm us, that could trick us, that could disrupt us. I want to keep us safe and Knowing this individual and what they almost did to Flapel, I just, I needed to guarantee that it couldn't happen again. I know that might seem harsh. I know, I know we've done harsher things, but still, uh, my end goal in all of this, Malamara, is just to keep us safe. And I'm, I'm willing to go to some pretty extreme lengths to make sure that's possible. Well, the spine of the world is not the, not the warmest place in the world. It, it's a pretty harsh environment, and the people that are there are pretty harsh, too. And I just, I don't want you to lose sight of who you are in this journey. I, this may sound like kind of a, a, a weird question, but um, can I ask, before when you had, you know, the, the book, you were oh, feeling yes. traces of magic, and ah. it, it's been a few weeks since you returned it to me. Have you... Ah. How's that been? Uh, well, I haven't had a chance to use it, but... I would just assume this, Thomas. I still have... Lance still has that abil- those abilities... For now. For now. How long you have them. Yeah. Um, I can, yeah, I, I haven't had a chance or an opportunity, really, to use them, but in feeling, feeling it out, I don't know, this magic thing's weird to me, but in feeling it out, I, I, I can sense I, I have, I have the capacity still. Um, I actually, as a matter of fact, uh, when I, when I took your sword. I technically meant for you to cut off his hand. I didn't know it was going to be a me thing. Um, so, that was a little shocking. When I... When you offered me the sword, I... The, the, the feelings and the baggage that comes with these abilities, you feel that all the time. I held that sword. It's, it's there. I do. 
But if I'm carrying it, then somebody else doesn't have to. Basically, I'm just... I want you and Fleeple to be prepared for what we might face up north. Well, based on your description of them being harsh, it sounds like I'm going to fit right in. <laughs> but, Mama, I want you to know that baggage, it's not like matter. It doesn't just transfer to one person or another. Someone else doesn't have to carry it. Sometimes you can just put it down and walk away. You can tell that that comment affected Mal. And she's really pondering that as she's looking out at the waves as as we're going along the ocean. I'll just, like I said, me and Fleeple, we're here for you. Just be aware we're going to go to some pretty big lengths to make sure you're safe. Well, it's a good thing that the three of us have each other then, isn't it? And she looks over, where is Fleeple? On this deck now that we can see everybody and there's no, <laughs> there's nothing to hide. Fleeple is walking purposefully towards the edge of the boat and he's like stretching his shoulders, swinging his arms around. And you see from the tip of his snout, he starts to transform into a reef shark. And right as he reaches the edge, his legs transform into the back flipper and he just kind of like flops off the side into the water. <laughs> ah. it's, a, it's a power move right there. It's a power move. Mm, it <laughs> is. Mm-hmm. If I was one level higher, I'd be able to turn into a giant octopus. Dang it. Oh, dang it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so cool. Fleeble becomes just, the beast we have to slay. Fleeble becomes a giant <laughs> octopus. We meet a giant octopus, and then we just stand there and we go, let them fight. <laughs> yes. Let them fight. Let them fight. I don't think I'll ever be able to turn into a sperm whale, but octopus versus octopus <laughs> is good enough, I suppose. Oh, boy. All right, on we go. As this scene sorts to f- fade off um, as you all prepare for the next leg of your journey... We are going to end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. Not before you guys level up! (laughs) So, Fleeple, you jumped off as a reef shark. But you came back on as a, <laughs> as a giant <laughs> octopus. <laughs> I've got two wild shapes. I can make it happen. Oh my god! There you go. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, you to level and up. then it transforms level midway up. down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what level is this for everybody? Or I guess what level is everybody taking? I'm taking another level of druid. Druid. Staying rogue. Rogy Rogue. How many levels in Rogue is that? Eight. Eight levels in Rogue. Very good. Shouldn't it be and nine? Now, where are you going? Nine. Oh, we're at nine. Nine. Sorry. Yeah. Nine. Surprise. Have you have you been level seven this entire <laughs> no, time? No, no. I just I just had it oh, no. I just had it written down. I never <laughs> I never changed the the I didn't change the number yet. Ah, uh, I'll get you. Uh, I am taking my sixth in Barbarian. Sixth in Barbarian. All right. Sounds good. Well. Let's have everybody roll or determine their health points right now. Fleeple, are you rolling? Fleeple's rolling. That's a three. <gasps> oh, oh, no. Oh, man. Seven total, right? Uh, 
correct, because I got that good, good constitution. All right. Uh, and do you get anything else at level eight? Yes. So good. one quick thing to note, now that we're all cumulatively level nine, we all mm. boost our proficiency from three to four. Yes. Yes. That's a big one. Bang. That's yes. a big one. Also, being a combined level nine full spellcaster, I can now cast fifth level spells, but I can't learn fifth level spells <laughs> until next level. But I can always upcast star platinum, you know what I do. Uh, but additionally, I also get an improvement to my wild shape, so now I can turn into CR1 creatures instead of CR1 half. I can also start flying and I get an ability score improvement, and it's a little lazy, but I'm just going to take luck. That's I'm going to take the luck feat. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Now we'll have to deal with... I mean, we'll have to have luck <laughs> yeah, in your party. Look forward to luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm already getting inspiration so much anyway, so it's not going to be too much of a big deal, right? There you go. There you go. All right. Sounds good. All right. Lance, what are you doing for your health? I am rolling, and I have rolled a natural one. So I got to re-roll. And the next roll is seven. Whoa! All right, for a total of how many extra health points? Uh, I am now at 69. And then my, obviously, proficiency went up, and I also get a, uh, a new feature on my roguish archetype. Which shall be determined later. No, I'm sorry. Um, if you listen to my, if you listen to the Crunch Squad that we did on this rogue uh, archetype, uh, this is a skill called Tokens of the Departed, and I won't. If you, if people want to look up the specifics, they can. But I think thematically, it'll be fun to see it divulge naturally. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very nice. Okay. All right, and Mal, what are you doing for help? I always take the safe path because as a barbarian, it's nice to get a plus 11 every time I level up. And so I am so, 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 just so close to that magical triple digit uh, hit points. So I'm at 96 currently. Should have rolled. (laughs) (laughs) At level six, a barbarian gets a totem warrior barbarian, gets the aspect of the beast which combined with my animistic pantheon means that whenever I finish a long rest, I can take on an aspect of a different animal and the different animals have different abilities. So not only when I rage, I also have an aspect that's just on all the time. What's the word I'm looking for? It just just happens. It's a passive. (laughs) I have a passive ability. It's just ongoing. Very good. Well, level nine going up to the north, going to the lair of a white dragon. Um, That is going to be a ton of fun, and I'm excited to see how it's going to shake out. So, Ned, Jacob, Mickey, thank you, as always, for being players uh, here at iCast Fireball. But listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. Without you, we wouldn't be recording and publishing the content that we are doing. Um, And who knows if we would have kept playing this campaign for as many years as we have. We have a lot of things in our lives. We've got uh, new babies. We've got moving across the country. We've got uh, all sorts of things. And so without you listening and supporting us, you know, we, pro- we might not have been able to be, uh, tell this amazing story. So really, honestly, truly, listeners, thank you 
so much. And if you like what we're doing, please leave us a five-star review. It lets us know what parts you like. Uh, it lets us, it lets other people know that this is a podcast that they would enjoy by putting it in their recommended feed. If you want to leave something a little bit longer than a review, shoot us an email, icastfireball2020 at gmail.com, where you can tell certain parts of the story that you are loving, um, things that you are incorporating into your own campaign. We would love that interaction so terribly much. So thank you so much for writing in. You can also go to our social media pages at iCastFireball20 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, um, where you can catch us there and shout us out or uh, just uh, IM us there as well. Speaking of shouting out, we want to, as always, Improv Tabletop, our sister podcast. They're doing amazing stuff. They're doing uh, wonderful things over there. They are diving in deep, deep into Avatar lore. It's a ton of fun. Way deep. Deep, way deep into Avatar lore. I just listened to their most recent episode, and wow, it's a big one. It's a big one. And uh, if you like intricacies in the spirit world and figuring out uh possible things that in the avatar verse that haven't been discussed or discovered uh go listen to them it's a ton of fun and they've got a great non-dnd ttrpg they're going through blades in the dark it's a ton of fun as well so uh don't forget to leave them a five-star review as well on your way out lastly don't forget to like subscribe and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers but until next time i'm thomas your dm and around the table we have malamara lance thalen and Flipper. Let's keep that fire going, everybody, and we'll see you all next time.